You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate. What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Ladies and gentlemen, thrilled to have you here for another epic debate. Welcome to Modern Day Debate, and if it's your first time here, want to let you know I'm your host, James Coons, and at Modern Day Debate, we are a neutral platform hosting debates on science, religion, and politics, and we want to let you know, no matter what walk of life you're from, folks, we really do hope you feel welcome, so thanks for hanging out with us. Glad to have you here, and also want to let you know, if this is your first time here, or perhaps even 50th time here, and you've forgotten to subscribe, well, hit that subscribe button, because we have many more juicy debates coming up that you don't want to miss. For example, at the bottom right of your screen, Tom Jump will be debating Flat Earth Aussie on whether or not space is real. That's right. So that should be an old foe of Fight the Flat Earth. So that should be an interesting debate later this month. And James, you know, he once told me that the moon was made dug out of the Grand Canyon, right? By giants. That sounds like Flat Earth Aussie. And yeah. we... Oh, just hearing his name gave me a headache. We absolutely, <laughs> we don't want you to miss that, folks. So do hit that subscribe button and thanks for being with us. And want to let you know, for today's debate, it's a fairly flexible one, our usual format. So about roughly 10 minutes opening statements from each side, followed by about 50 to 60 minutes of open conversation, and then about 30 to 35 of Q&A. So if you happen to have a question, feel free to fire it into the old live chat. And if you tag me with at Modern Day Debate, it makes it easier for me to get every question in that Q&A list. With that, want to let you know as well, our guests, both Robert and Fight the Flat Earth, aka Craig, are linked in the description. So folks, highly encourage you, if you enjoy this debate, which I'm confident you will, click on their links in the description so that you can hear or read more from both of our guests. And so what we're going to do is just do a quick introduction or greeting for our guests and also ask if they'd be willing to share what people can expect to find at their links. And then we'll get right into the debate. So first, Robert, thanks so much for being with us again. And so we're thrilled to have you here. And what can people expect to find at your link in the description? They can expect to find probably everything I've done for the last 30 years. Uh, I've written over 50 books, um, probably 500 articles, um, made four movies. So they're all for sale on that website. Um, debates, 
lectures, you name it, any medium that um, I could find to uh, get the message out. But I'm not only dealing with science, I deal with theology mostly. My, my degrees are in theology. But sometimes science and theology overlap. And that causes me to try to get the science in there from a theological viewpoint as much as possible in my works and my books and stuff. Um, some, some politics, some culture, uh, not very much, but uh, basically theological stuff and science stuff on my website. You got and it. All, Thanks. All mediums. Thanks so much. Glad mm -hmm. to have you back. And Fight the Flat Earth, glad to have you back as well. What can people expect Thank to you. find at your link? Uh, I'm FTFE. I'm from the YouTube channel that does to stupidity what Facebook did to Nathan Thompson's group. The Flat Earth and Globe discussion. We got 140,000 members in there. The group was just deleted a few minutes ago. Never going to stop being funny. Um, so I'm a 37-year-old uh, ex-Royal Navy engineer with a degree in physics and a degree in nuclear engineering. Um, uh, I was in the service for as long as I could be until I was injured. Then I became a wind farm developer until my injury became too much and I left the working world. Um, concentrated on raising my children, got bored when they weren't around. So found Flat Earthers on YouTube, which blew my mind that they actually exist. So started to, decided to start a YouTube channel kind of arguing against them because I must hate myself or something. Um, so that very quickly became um, a, a big thing and a full-time job. So I now spend you know all my time um, trying to destroy the idiocy that is the flat earth. But what I found uh, in my research into science uh, and science denying is that it's not just the flat earth that denies science. Um, and I'm very passionate about calling out science denying, reality ignoring, scientifically illiterate people that think it's okay to push demonstrable lies to people that might not have the ability to know better. Um, I am very, very passionate about this because it's not okay to say the earth is flat, deny evolution, or say the earth is the center of the solar system because these things are demonstrable lies. Uh, so I'm going to hold the position here that the earth is not the center of the universe and the heliocentric model is completely correct. And I'm going to base what I say on Occam's razor, which uh, Robert, I, bought, I watched a, um, a debate you had a couple of years ago and you said the Occam razor was what favors the least complicated thing. That's not correct. It's what requires the least assumptions. So I'll be going with Occam's razor and Hitchens razor that says anything presented without evidence can be dismissed without evidence. I'm normally no, I, pretty I, I outspoken. I'm normally pretty outspoken. I'm from Bristol and an ex-Royal Navy engineer. Swearing is part of my lexicon, but as respect for James, I'm going to curtail my normal colorful language and stick to pointing out how ridiculous a geocentric theory is. Thanks for having me back on, James. How sweet. Now we'll jump into the opening statement. So we'll hand it over to Robert and thank you guys both for being here. The floor is all yours, Robert. All right. Well, thank you for being so candid. I appreciate that. I know, I know uh, pretty much what I have to deal with now. Um, I do want to say one thing though, that um, uh, Brian, is it Brian or? Craig. I'm sorry. Greg? Craig, C R A G. Craig, I'm sorry. Call, call me fight if you like. Most people on the internet call me fight. Yeah, but I want to call you Craig. <laughs> okay. Okay. So one thing Craig and I do have in common is we're both against the flat Earth. Uh, I think we both appreciate that when science says certain things and they're verifiable by experiment, uh, 
you know, there's not much you can say. It's now sometimes the experiments can be shifted toward a favored view. Uh, sometimes and most of the time, when things go wrong, the experiments are not interpreted correctly, or they are interpreted to favor a certain view. So science does have its flaws in the sense that it's not a perfect institution, but at least it's on the right path. Men, however, sometimes get in the way of the science because there's empirical data on the one hand, and then there's what we would like it to be interpreted as because it fits with our cultural worldview or our scientific worldview, or in many cases, our view of whether God exists or not. Like even the flat earthers, for example, many of them, I think probably 80, 90% of them are Christian uh, evangelicals who believe that the Bible has to be interpreted literally. And this is where they get their basis for the flat earth because they think the Bible teaches a flat earth. I think that's flat wrong, but it just shows you how influential your theological viewpoint may be on a certain case at issue. And the flat, the flat earth is one, but whether the earth is in the center of the universe is another. Uh, our worldview is going to impact how we interpret the evidence. And that's not something that's easy to get away from. So um, let me start with the mechanics, though. So we have something from which to spring off of. We've all heard of Copernicus and Galileo, okay? And we've heard maybe of Tycho Brahe and Kepler and some people around the 1500s, 1600s who were battling back and forth on whether the earth went around the sun or the sun went around the earth. They weren't the first ones. The Greeks back in the time of the Pythagoreans, Aristotle, Aristarchus, they were battling back and forth the same subject, whether the earth went around the sun or the sun went around the earth, and they were split right down the middle, okay? So when Copernicus started his whole revival of the Copernican or the heliocentric system, that he got that from Aristarchus of Samos. And um, he basically took it hook, line, and sinker. You know, Aristarchus believed the circular orbits of the planets around the sun, and so did Copernicus. Uh, Ptolemy came in between them, and he was a Greek astronomer from the uh, second century. And he had the idea that the sun and the planets went around the earth, wherein the sun takes the third circle, and Mars takes the fourth, and Jupiter takes the fifth. So he had an interesting uh, way to, to describe the geocentric universe, but we found out later that it didn't work. And although it came close, because he put some devices on there, like an equant uh, that helped smooth things out. And it was a very intriguing, very um, useful device to try to keep track of where the planets and stars would be uh, every year. And it worked pretty well. It wasn't perfect, but it worked pretty well with his equant. And I can't go in and describe what an equant is, but um, it made up for the kind of uh, some of the mistakes that he made in his model. So then comes along uh, Copernicus, and he says, no, the sun belongs in the center. 
And he thought that he had found the solution to cosmology, basically. He was hired by the Pope to try to fix the calendar. And Copernicus believed that the calendar was messed up because the solar system was messed up. So he put the Earth back in the center following Aristarchus of Samos. And like Aristarchus, he put the planets going around the sun, including the Earth, in circular orbits. And this caused a problem because we know today the planets don't go around the sun in circular orbits. They go in more or less elliptical orbits. And even that is sometimes has some flaws in it because it's not exactly elliptical orbits. Um, but that's another issue. So um, he really couldn't get his model to work correctly. Uh, when he started in 1510, by the time he published his book, uh, De Revolutionibus, he had, in 1543, he had more epicycles in his model than Ptolemy did. Okay, Ptolemy had 40 epicycles. Copernicus ended up with 48. The reason being is because he put the planets in circular orbits. That's one of the reasons. So the debate went back and forth, but all those debates were just geometrical. Nobody was talking about forces and dynamics and things of that nature. They were just talking about how is it going to look if we put the sun here, the earth here, and how are the circles going to be drawn and all that kind of stuff. So, so it's just geometrical. Um, by the time of Newton, which was, he was actually born the day that, the year that Galileo died. Newton and um, Leibniz and Euler and a lot of guys during that time started to get into dynamical forces, dealing with gravity and inertia and things of that nature. And so Newton proposed that the reason the Earth has to go around the sun was because of his second law of motion, F equals ma, and if you have a bigger mass on one side of the equation and you put it into an orbit, then the smaller of the masses, of the two masses, is going to have to go around the larger. And that makes sense. You know, everybody who saw that, I mean, all the philosophers, Immanuel Kant, uh, Hegel, everybody just loved that because we ha you finally had the real reason why the earth went around the sun. It wasn't just geometrical anymore. It just didn't look like a pretty picture. Now we had all the forces behind it. So uh, basically at that time, Newton put the knife into the geocentric model because there wasn't anybody to compete with Newton and put the geocentric model into a dynamic model. That is, what are the forces that is causing the sun to go around the earth and blah, blah. So, Basically, Newton reigned for the next 200 years. That was like from 1687 when he published his Principia to about the late 1800s, and that's where his reign came to an end. Uh, at that time, a guy named Ernst Mach came along, and he said, well, yeah, if you use the solar system as your model and you avoid the rest of the universe, sure, the Earth has to go around the sun. No questions asked. Because the sun is bigger, the center of mass is near the sun, and so the earth must go around. Both bodies go around the center of mass. Makes sense. Okay. But, Newt, but Mach said, if you include the rest of the universe, 
things change. Because now you have dynamic forces coming from the star field, the universe that can very well impinge on your solar system. And that was a theory that everybody liked. I mean, they couldn't argue with it. Um, it's one thing to make a, a good system like Newton did, but if you have a defect as major as excluding the rest of the universe, wow, that says something. Yeah, Newton needed an absolute universe and an absolute universe. He needed absolute time and he needed absolute space. The absolute space was that the universe couldn't move. It was infinite. And everything that we measured would be against the backdrop of this absolute frame of reference, the universe. So if that's the case, obviously the universe can't move. But Ma came along and said, well, let's allow the universe to move. What would happen in that case? if we kept the earth fixed and we allowed the universe to rotate around it. And he, had, he make, gave all the equations for it. You can read it in his um, Science of Mechanics. And it's a big book about that thick. And he explains how it can be done. And this is what intrigued Einstein, Albert Einstein, because he read Ernst Mach's works and he said, yeah, there is a theory of relativity that we must incorporate into our cosmological mechanics in order to see what is really the truth. Is the, is the universe going around a fixed earth or is the fixed earth rotating within a, within a uh, fixed universe? Which one is correct? So um, they had done all these experiments in the 1800s and they found and I'm talking about the Arago experiment in the 1810s, the um, Airy experiment, George Bedell Airy in 1871, the Michelson-Morley experiment in 1887, and then they did it again in 19, uh, 1897. All these experiments were finding that the earth wasn't moving, or at least they could be explained as the earth not moving. And this was upsetting to modern science because ever since Copernicus, everybody believed that, no, the earth is rotating and revolving around the sun. But, you know, then you have to deal with Mach and Mach not only gets out of the solar system where the debate was whether the sun went around the earth or the earth went around the sun, he extends it to the universe itself and says, which is true, whether the universe goes around a fixed earth or the, or the Earth rotates within a fixed universe. Which one of those is true? So he expanded the argument to include all of cosmic space. So, uh, but, they, but they still struggled because they wanted to believe that the Earth was moving. That was the paradigm that they wanted to follow. But they had all these difficulties. How do we prove it? So they did this experiment in 1887, Michelson-Morley, and it, it, they were looking for a 30 kilometer per second speed of the Earth around the sun. And they couldn't find it. And they did this experiment probably about 50 times from 18, 1881 to 1930. And they kept finding the same result. We can't get 30 kilometers per second out of this experiment for the Earth going around the sun. They did another experiment where they tried for the rotation of the Earth in 1925. That was the Michelson-Gale experiment. 
and they found a full sidereal rotation of the Earth in that experiment. And so they knew that, wow, we're, we're, we're getting a full daily rotation of the Earth using the same interferometer experiment that we used in 1887, but that for an interferometer couldn't show us that the Earth was going around the sun. So we have something, we have two uh, experiments using the same principles and yet giving us two different stories. One says that the Earth can't, is not going around the sun. The other is telling us that there's a full sidereal rotation of 23 hours, 56 minutes and 4.1 seconds every day. So how can that be? All right, so, so now we had further difficulty. Then Einstein, he, he tried to explain all this away by his special relativity theory. And he says, okay, one way to explain Michelson's 1887 experiment is to say that there is no ether, there is no earth going through the ether, therefore it's not gonna impede the light beam speed and therefore any result we get is not gonna be applicable because there really is no ether, okay? And in place of that, he comes up with special relativity, which says, okay, what really happened in the Michelson experiment is the length contracted, the length of the arm of Michelson's interferometer contracted, and they call that length contraction today. What else happened? Well, the time dilated. So, because if you, if you contract the length, you're going to have to increase the time that the object travels. So this all became part of special relativity. Everybody loved it. And we found an answer to Michael Michelson's experiment. We don't have to believe that the earth is fixed in the universe. All right. 10 years later, he comes up with his theory of general relativity. Why? Well, because the special relativity was an idealistic theory that really couldn't be applicable anywhere because everywhere you look in the universe, there's gravity and inertial forces, but special relativity didn't include those. So how is that theory going to explain anything, basically, because the whole world is full of gravity, the whole universe? So Einstein basically was forced to include gravity. And when he did, in his general theory of relativity, at the end of all the equations, he comes out and says, yeah, it is possible for either the universe to rotate around a fixed Earth or for the Earth to rotate uh, in a fixed universe. Either one of those is possible. Why? Well, because general relativity teaches covariance and coequivalence. And there have been many scientists like uh, Barber and Bertati, Hans Thuring and Joseph Lenz, who have written papers showing, yeah, if you use Einstein's field equations, you have to admit that either one of those universes is possible. That is an Earth rotating in a fixed universe or a universe going around a fixed earth. Either one is possible under general relativity. So I just take this evidence and I run with it. And I say, there is no proof that you, mathematical scientific proof that you can show that the earth is rotating or revolving. And I'm also including, you know, stellar parallax, stellar aberration, all those things that they used to use to try to prove that the earth was moving around the sun. They've all been disproven. And that can be shown very easily. So I, I yield my time. Thank you very much. We will switch it over for the opening statement from Fight the Flat Earth as well. The floor is all yours, Craig. Thank you, James. Uh, thank, thanks for that, Robert. Um, always enjoy a history lesson. Um, so when 
when James asked me about this debate, um, honestly, it was the first time I'd ever researched geocentricity. And uh, what I found was kind of disappointing. Um, I found the, the, the things that I find when I'm talking about flat earth, uh, you know, just claims of conspiracy that millions and billions of people will have to be part of, um, misunderstanding of basic fundamentals of physics, cherry picking, twisting to fit a narrative, completing our lack of any evidence for a geocentric universe. Um, so why do people believe that? I mean, I don't, I don't know. Frankly, I think it's ridiculous. And I think it stems from a, a lack of scientific knowledge. And a lot of it is, is for religious reasons. Now, I've got no interest in, in debating anything religious. I don't think it's relevant in, in a discussion about the nature of the universe. So I'm, I'm going to stick to actual facts. And um, the, the basic of a geocentric universe is it has to demonstrate two things. Uh, to, to make sure it's valid. And, and the two things is that Earth is stationary in space and the Earth uh, doesn't rotate around its own axis. Well, unfortunately for, for Bob, there, there's another Bob that demonstrated that this isn't a problem. If the Earth is spinning at one rotation every 24 hours, that means that every hour it has to turn 15 degrees. And if the gyroscope is mounted anywhere on Earth, it's going to drift. In today's 21st century navigation systems, they're using what's called a ring laser gyroscope. It is extremely precise. If we could simply get one of these ring laser gyroscopes, we would be able to prove once and for all that there is no rotation to the earth. One of the people in the community actually purchased one for $20,000. But what we found is, is when we turned on that gyroscope, we found that we were picking up a drift. A 15 degree per hour drift. Yeah, so th thanks for that, Bob. And I know Bob is a flat earther and I wouldn't normally agree with him, but Bob in this case showed something that we already knew. And that is that every single fiber optic and ring laser interferometric gyroscope on the planet registers a 15 degree rotation per hour, no matter where you are on the earth. Interestingly, it doesn't only register a 15 degree per hour drift, it also registers a one degree per day drift in two dimensions. And this represents the Earth's orbit around the sun in an ecliptic plane. So the fact that these things can easily measure and the way that ring laser gyroscopes and fiber optic gyroscopes are, are constructed is that they can't see the outside world. They don't know what is moving, if the stars are moving, so they can't register any of that. They're, they use light and the speed of light to do what they do and light isn't affected by any electromagnetic waves or anything like that. So couldn't be any imaginary aether or anything. So there is only one conclusion you can get from things like gyroscopes, fiber optic gyroscopes, ring laser gyroscopes, showing a drift is that they are physically on something that is moving. Um, <clears throat> I can demonstrate this further in the back and forth with uh, gyroscope uh, and putting it on a globe and showing how it moves, but they simply show that the earth rotates, not only on its own axis, but also around the sun. Um, every pilot in the world knows this, Every you know, modern plane has three of them that as soon as the pilot turns on, they have to register the rotation of the earth to figure out their location and to be able to plot their position correctly. You know, gyroscopes like this are fundamental parts of modern aviation and our understanding of them makes sure that the pilots can get where they're going and not crash into mountains and stuff. So, yeah, um, other bits of evidence that the earth's rotating is effects that we should have. 
uh, on a rotating body like the Earth that, that has a circumference of 25,000 miles and rotates at 15 degrees per hour, we should get effects like Coriolis and Iotvos effect, which vary depending on the latitude. This can be demonstrated with the simple swinging of a pendulum. With a simple swinging of a pendulum, depending on your latitude, it will drift a different amount. Now, you can actually use the amount a pendulum drifts to calculate your latitude on the Earth. And this is an effect that is predicted by a rotating planet. There is no explanation on a stationary Earth why you would be able to induce a precession on a pendulum that varies with your latitude. No explanation at all. The only explanation is that it matches the prediction of a heliocentric hypothesis, and that is that the Earth is rotating. You want to follow the scientific method, you look for an observation, you get the hypothesis, you make a prediction, and then you test it. And when you do that, you find the Earth is rotating. Um, the the Ottvos effect is something that is easily uh, experienced as well. If you are traveling with the Earth's rotation, you increase your centrifugal acceleration, which actually reduces your weight. This can be demonstrated by taking a known um, calibration weight on a plane and measuring the change as you are traveling east to west or west to east. Uh, another YouTuber, a pilot called Wolfie did this. And what he found was as he was traveling east to west, as expected, the weight increased and traveling west to the other direction, the, the weight decreased because it you know, changed the centrifugal acceleration. These are things that we expect to happen, we predict to happen and do happen because of the earth rotating. Um, so very much like a belief in flat earth, natural observations in the universe alone debunk the notion of a geocentric universe. I'm gonna quickly go through some of the basic observations now that we can look at. The first one is retrograde motion of planets. So, um, no, actually, sorry. Uh, for, first one is the sun. Now, um, to say that these, the seasons are on the earth are geocentric, it, it's caused by the sun moving up and down around the earth. So this presents a problem in the fact that we can always see the same face of the sun. For, for this to make sense in reality, it would mean that the sun would have to change its axial tilt. If the sun were to move up, it would mean for us to match it to what happens in reality, that the sun would have to tilt towards us like this. So this is what we would expect in a geocentric universe. But there's no reason why the sun's tilt would change. And also, not only would it have to change throughout the seasons, but every day it would have to process to be the exact opposite so that we always see what we see in reality. This isn't what we see, but this is what we would see if there was a geocentric universe with the sun rotating around us. We simply don't see this. It doesn't match reality. Therefore, it, it can't be an explanation for, for what's going on. Um, so, do, 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 seasons. Um, Seasons alone are, are an issue because the, this, the way that they say the sun goes up to the summer solstice and down to the winter solstice doesn't make sense with how we have seasons based on the fact that the earth has an axial tilt. The seasons are actually caused by a change in energy given to the sun based on how much of it is facing the sun. And this motion doesn't explain the seasons that we get on the northern and southern hemisphere. Another issue is the retrograde motion of the planets. So if we look at Mars, um, around 2012, this is what happened, right? If, if the Earth was geocentric, then the planet should have a simple straight orbit around us. And if we look at Mars throughout the year, this is what we should observe. 
But what we saw in 2011, 2012 was that between October and November, it just went in a straight line. But after that, heading towards January in 2012, it slowed down and went the other way until around April the 11th, when it then slowed down and went the other way again. Um, this doesn't make sense in, in a geocentric universe. There's no reason why planets should all of a sudden change direction. This makes perfect sense for the heliocentric model because Earth has a tighter and quicker orbital period than Mars. So as we overtake Mars in the rotation around the sun, it would to us seem as though the planet went backwards and then forwards. There is no explanation for this in a geocentric universe. I know Ptolemy wrote 17 volumes or something trying to explain it, but gravity ruins everything that, that Ptolemy went over with. Um, Halley's Comet is also an issue. Halley's Comet, we can predict, comes back every 76 years. And there's two points throughout every year where Earth experiences meteor showers. And that's when it goes through the trail left by Halley's Comet. Um, no reason at all in the geocentric universe why we would have meteor showers at these particular times in the year and also be able to predict when Halley's Comet is due to come back into this, you know, into our local part of the solar system. The predictions work on a heliocentric model. You cannot predict these things on a geocentric model. It makes no sense. Geostationary satellites don't make sense on a, um, a geocentric world because a geostationary satellite has to maintain a fixed position above the Earth 22,000 miles up. And the only way it can do that is by having a tangential speed of 1.91 meters per second. Um, if the Earth is stationary, that means that a geostationary satellite is literally just staying there and gravity as we know it would bring it down and it would crash. So there's so many things. M my entire point here is that all of these things can be explained perfectly by the heliocentric model. But for geocentrists to explain these observations, there's a bunch of ad hoc explanations that all contradict each other, a bunch of ignoring basic science, not basic observations that we can make and do ourselves. The only way to make all this stuff work in a geocentric world is to just go, well, it, it does because maybe God said so. Frankly, I think geocentrism is ridiculous. It's 2021. Facts are facts. And a fact is the earth is not the center of the universe. And I yield my time. Thank you very much. Fight the Flat Earth. And with that, we'll go into open conversation. So thanks so much, gentlemen. Forgot to mention at the front, folks, we are excited that we are on podcast. And so if that's useful to you, hey, encourage you to open up your phone, pull out your favorite podcast app, and see if you can find us. If you can't find us on your favorite podcast app, we'll work hard to get on there. So just let us know. And I have linked those podcast links in the top of the chat. So with that, very excited for this open discussion portion. What we'll do is if it gets, I was like, I mean, who are we kidding? It's not going to, but if it did get rowdy, we would basically restrict, we would basically restrict it to three minutes back and forth for each speaker to get to respond without interrupting. And so gentlemen, thanks so much. The floor is all yours. All right, um, I guess it's my turn. Um, yeah, off, off uh, Craig, um, correct me if I'm wrong. You sound like and you write like and your animations are like the guy who goes by the name Cool Hard Logic on. Is that correct? Yeah, um, very much. So I, um, I, he was one of the first debunkers that I watched and uh, um, it gave me a lot of basis for things to research on this because obviously he's done a lot of the research. So, uh, okay. yeah, I got a lot of that information from 
the things that cool hard logic said and then oh, a bit so you're not you're not cool hard logic you're just uh, you i'm not cool hard logic no I, i'm ftfe <laughs> okay all right because you sound just like him i maybe it's just your english accent I don't know. <laughs> that guy's american he's american hi well he does have a peculiar voice that's that's for certain at any rate let's get let's get to some of the things you said um i don't know how much i can cover in two or three minutes but I hope my count, my time isn't counted against me for just trying to find out who Craig was. Um, well, maybe we could try and keep it to, to one point at a time just to, to keep things simple. All right. Let's let's see if that works. Okay. Have you ever read the book Gravitation by uh, Wheeler? Um, Wheeler, what's his name? Three, three authors. It's a big book. It's about 1,500 pages. You ever read that book at all? No. It was published in 1973. No, I haven't. Okay. Okay, well, it's a famous book, written, probably the most famous book written about gravitation, still used today in uh, universities. They would give you the explanation for why you think the gyroscope is the ring gyroscope or the ring laser is going to prove that you know the Earth rotates and goes around the sun. Because what they're going to do is they're going to do the same thing that I had said in my introduction, which is they're going to go to general relativity. And they're going to show you that because of the co-equivalence and co-variance principles in general relativity, the gyroscope then the ring laser are going to work exactly the same way if the Earth is fixed and space is moving around it. Why is that the case? Because if you have a rotating universe, it has angular momentum. And if you have angular momentum, you're going to cause inertial forces. And the two major forces are the centrifugal force and the Coriolis force. And the other is the Euler force, but that's dealing with something a little different. But you've got these forces that are created by a rotating universe that are going to work on the ring laser, the Foucault pendulum, the bulge of the earth, and the, and the gyroscope. They're all going to react the same way because of that co-equivalence and covariance that you would have in a rotating Earth in a fixed universe. Okay, there's there's no way that a ring laser gyroscope could be affected by anything like a Coriolis force. So a ring laser gyroscope uses a Sagnac effect, the, the known speed of light as a constant. And the way it works is simply by seeing if, you know, there, there's a, a difference in the, um, the, the light patterns once they've gone in opposite directions around the path. And if, light has to travel further around one of the paths, that's because the path has actually shifted underneath the light, which is what it detects. There is no way for a ring laser gyroscope to detect anything outside of the ring laser gyroscope. There is one thing, one thing only, that a ring laser gyroscope can detect, and that is the motion of the thing that it is physically attached to. There is no way it could detect a rotating universe. There is nothing no kind of inertial forces would change the speed of light and the length of the paths within the ring laser or the fiber optic gyroscope. It just couldn't happen. Physics well, says no. Okay. All right. So you you are in disagreement with the major physicists in, of the world who say exactly the opposite of what you're saying. They I'd have to have a citation for that, please. Oh, well, why? I can give you plenty. I don't have it now because I didn't even know we were going to cover this subject tonight. I thought we were going to talk about the cosmic radiation. but. Yeah. Uh, I, I have these all the pages from Gravitation and many other books that say exactly what I told you. And so the, here's the thing, though. They, they know, wait, wait, wait. Just let me say this. Then you can talk. 
they they say yes a rotating universe around a fixed earth is going to give you exactly what you're looking for but they don't prefer that universe they say that we would rather have the rotating and revolutionary earth in a fixed universe as our solution and so they that's what they teach people but they they are honest enough to say that a rotating universe around a fixed earth will do exactly everything you required of those of those force movements let's uh thing is that a ring laser gyroscope simply could not detect if the okay, universe was rotating right, we're at there, an is, impasse. there is nothing there, there i mean it's not an impasse it, it's a fact no it's um, not a fact it, it is an absolute fact no, 100 absolute That's fact where you're going based on, please um a the middle of my sentence obviously interrupted the start of yours there. That, that's, that's unfortunate, but um, simply is not a fact based on the way that a ring laser gyroscope works. I'm going to quickly go over the science and an explanation of how a ring laser gyroscope works now. So this blue box fires a beam of light. The, uh, the diagonal line that you see uh, splits the beam of light into two. It's a silver coated mirror. So the light will travel around both paths. It will travel in opposite directions. Uh, let me play that there. So what you see is that as it fires the light, it splits it into two paths. Now, if the path, if the path, 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 say one thing. Well, I'm going to finish what, again, the middle yeah, of my I just want to say one thing. So I'm, I'm going to finish what I'm saying, if that's okay. One, yeah, right, this, one thing, this um, is, pardon my interruption, say pardon my interruption is, to both of you guys. I, I hate to interrupt, but one, um, people, uh, Craig asked if you were, you'd be willing to share the screen. If you share a screen, I can show it so that everybody can see the uh, close-up of what you have on screen. And then if we can, uh, oh, let's right. just give Fight the Flat Earth just a moment to kind of make this point. I promise we'll come right back to you, Robert. Okay. Uh, wait one sec. I'm doing it all from my virtual camera, so. Not a big deal if you can't. It's uh, just an option if you wanted to. Um, <clears throat> how do I share this screen on there? How do I share the screen for Zoom? What I can, let's see, I'll try to. Are you able to just make me big? Uh, yeah, actually, let, let me do that. And this should at least do a rough uh, something close to that. So give me one moment. I'm just making it a little bit bigger. It doesn't seem to have the option to screen share on Zoom for some reason. No worries. They can see it now. Right. Okay. So when when the box fires the laser, it splits it into two paths. And if the paths that the laser have to travel are the same distance, so the thing isn't moving, they both recombine at the same point, and then there's no interference pattern. It shows that it hasn't moved. However, if the actual device itself is rotating, because the speed of light is traveling, the light is traveling around, it means that as the thing is rotating, the path will move underneath the light and make the distance the light has to travel around one of the paths longer and the other path shorter. What this means is you get an interference pattern when it comes back and you register that interference pattern as, as a movement, as a 15 degree per hour drift. Now, this is all enclosed. This is, you know, a ring laser gyroscope is like vacuum sealed. It can't see anything outside of it. And the fact that it measures rotation, and I can demonstrate this with another video um, that actually Wolfie did exactly how it, how it measures the rotation. There is nothing outside of this that it could see. If the universe was rotating, which is something I say is impossible, it couldn't detect that the universe was rotating. There is no way that this device can detect if the universe is rotating. It is based on movement and movement alone of what it is physically touching. 
All right, let's switch it back over to Robert. Thank you very much. So uh, I'm just telling you again, that's a false conclusion. Uh, just like the evidence. Hold on now. It's a false conclusion. And James, it's just like last time. The guy you had on here before, Leo Phileas. Okay, he, he pretended he knew all about general relativity, but he didn't realize the co-equivalence and covariance equations of co-relativity that allow a rotating universe to do everything he's saying about this sanding effect that occurs here. And that's what that is. You know why I know it? Because I'm the one who designed that animation. That's my animation that's now being stolen all over the internet and used. Uh, I, I know it because I made that. it. Okay. So I know all about the Sanyak effect. Now, the, well, the, the only I have the, have evidence that you made. One sec. One sec. Let, let's just give uh, Robert a few minutes. Okay. Tit for tat here, okay? So um, so the question, he's trying to bring up something that's really not relevant to the issue here, except in this one experiment, we both know that there's a difference between the light beam that's going counterclockwise as opposed to the one that's going clockwise. We know that. The question is, how are you going to explain it? And like I said at the beginning of the program, if you lean toward one cosmological view, well, you're going to interpret the Sanyak uh, apparatus and the, uh, the uh, results of it in one way that's going to agree with your heliocentric view. Bias is irrelevant. Will you please let me speak? Okay. I mean, you're going on a bit. Well, well I've got one more sentence to say. Just hold on. And if you, if you want to promote the geocentric view, there is a way to explain the Sanyak effect. And that is because you got the inertial forces that are affecting one of the light beams, just like gravity. Please let me finish. Just I'm like just asking specific, you, you said, just like we, we, we uh, uh, all right, well, let's, let's give Robert like another 30 seconds and then fight the flat earth. We'll give you a chance to ask those questions. All right. Just like Einstein found that light is affected by gravity. Light is also affected by inertial forces because they're just the covariance of gravitational forces. So the, the, in, the inertial forces of the rotating universe is what's going to make that light beam slow down in the Sanyak experiment. So again, we can explain that just like you can from your heliocentric viewpoint. So, um, so yeah, just note to all of that, it's, it's all completely false. The rotating universe would not make it um, do that. So I've got a little video here um, to to show how they actually work. This is uh, very similar to a ring laser gyroscope, and um, this is a pilot called Wolfie who's taken this out of, out of his drone and he's popped it on a globe and he's got a computer program next to him that that shows the movement of it based on what it's registering. Uh, and this is a demonstration of how a ring laser gyroscope works. And what you see is as he moves the globe, um, you know, rotates it left and right. It actually that movement on the computer. Uh, he'll show it here in a sec. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> and what this shows is that it is actually the physical movement of the, the gyroscope itself that is registering the movement, not any outside force. As the, 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 the gyroscope that he's using moves on that globe, the corresponding movements happen on the computer. It, that's how the drone knows what its orientation is in 3D space. So um, that is the explanation of, of how it works. And the Sagniac effect is purely because of the change of, you know, the device that it's on. The, the, the speed of light is a constant. 
Now, apparently it's not a constant because the sine And that you keep saying, oh, hold on, you keep, hold on, uh, uh, interesting. Um, so you keep saying inertial forces created by the universe rotating. Please specifically describe what inertial force you are on about that would affect what is happening inside a ring laser gyroscope. I already did. I said that- No, you said inertial force. What inertial force? I told you what the inertial forces were, all three of them. I said the centrifugal um, force- And which specific inertial force is causing a ring laser gyroscope to show adrift? The Coriolis force. It's, it is a matter no, of fact- No, that's impossible. In a rotate- Well, you think it's impossible, but you've never studied it, apparently. You, 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 you I've don't studied even know, it extensively. A the, the Coriolis force is, is because of conservation of momentum between different lap- did you lose him? Attitude scope takes if it is not a freely moving object on the Earth. The Coriolis force only applies to a freely moving object between latitudes on the Earth, not to a stationary ring laser gyroscope with a light traveling around the path. That's not what the Coriolis force How is. How do you think a ring laser gyroscope works? It's got light beams in it going in opposite directions, just not like by the same. Coriolis force. Huh? Hey, I just Not by told the you, force. Einstein already agreed that gravity can affect light. It can slow it down. Yeah, now, gravity okay? can affect light, but and he, there's and no Einstein, gravity affecting And Einstein agreed that inertial forces are equivalent to gravitational forces. And which inertial force is causing a ring laser gyroscope? I just move? told it can't you. Be I just said it was not, the Coriolis That's how Coriolis works. Can you please explain how the Coriolis force is causing a drift in a ring laser gyroscope. In your Newtonian framework, the Coriolis force is an is an artifact of rotation because you don't want to call it a force. More than just an artifact of rotation, it's an artifact of a freely moving object on a rotating body. It doesn't make any difference. It's it's not a force. Of course it does. Well, no, it's, well, it's, it's, it's a pseudo force. It, it's, an inertia, it's an emergent force. It's an inertial, it's, you know, it is a measurable thing, the same as centrifugal force. It exists very much like gravity. It exists. And there is no explanation for how a Coriolis force could affect a ring laser gyroscope. That's simply not how they work. Because you never studied it. That's that's very uh, apparent. I'm, I'm apparent. sorry, but I have studied it. And please don't commit the genetic fallacy of attacking me and my knowledge instead of addressing the actual Well, you know what? That's the first thing you did when you gave your opening talk. You, you said, they have no knowledge. They're ignorant. It's a big conspiracy. They believe in God. All this stuff, uh, they, you throw at us. But when we throw it at you, oh, all of a sudden, hey, we're I, did, did I say this specifically about you? I said it about geocentrism. Now you need to take a breath and cool yourself down, all right? <laughs> yeah, you're the one that got me yeah. hyped up. Yeah, yeah, clearly facts trigger you. Uh, no, because you don't understand what a Coriolis force is, apparently. Um, no, I, I, in, I know exactly what a Coriolis force. Can you explain to me how the Coriolis force works, please? Let's yeah, now it, give it, it, a few minutes for Robert to respond and just to slow down the tempo a bit as it's uh, speeding up. Yeah, I'd like Robert to explain to me specifically how the Coriolis force works. The Coriolis, Coriolis force is an inward circular force. They've shown this in demonstrations. The centrifugal force is an outward force. And no, I know. You, I just asked about the Coriolis, dude. Sorry. Okay, I'm telling you what it is. That's why the Foucault pendulum turns, because the Coriolis force is a turning force. It makes a turn. The ro the universe has angular momentum. Momentum. It's rotating around the the bob of the Foucault pendulum, and and it makes it turn. Okay. If you don't know that, you don't know your physics. You're just like yeah, the last. Yeah, no, I know. The, I know the, uh, the 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 Coriolis affects a focal pendulum. It does not affect a ring laser gyroscope. 
but you, you, you seem to have a very limited knowledge of what the Coriolis force actually is. No, and I know both. How it is I know what both Coriolis forces are in each system. All right. In your Please system explain to me how a Coriolis a force. force is created then. In your system, it's not a force. Sorry. No, it's a pseudo force. It still exists. That's right. You're not going to try and. Oh, it's a pseudo force, but it still exists. How can that be? Oh, are you going to commit the fat, flat Earth thing of not understanding what a pseudo force is? Are you saying centrifugal force doesn't exist? No, I, I when know. I'm on, when I'm on something pinning me to the outside, it certainly exists. No, it, I know what you Coriolis mean. Coriolis force is an, a real force. The fact that F equals MA means that there is a force. Now, please explain. Yeah. I've asked you this a very specific thing, and I'd like to get this very specific answer. Please explain to me how the Coriolis force works. I just explained it to you in both systems. No, you didn't. I said in the geocentric system where you have a rotating universe, the Coriolis is a real force. In your system, the Newtonian system, it's a pseudo force. That's that not explaining caused, how it works. That is caused by rotation. And that's why it's an, no. that's why it's an artifact, not a real force. Robert, you're dancing around the question. How does the Coriolis force work? I just told you it's by rotation. No, you, didn't. You, system. you said it's by rotation. That is not the answer. Yes, How it is. exactly is the Coriolis force applied? What to other, what object? other, what other movement is causing your Coriolis effect besides rotation? Give me one. Uh, your freely moving direction within the rotating reference frame. You've no idea what the Coriolis force is, do you? No, I do because you have an. Oh, no, you don't. I've asked you, I've asked you four times to specify exactly how it works, and all you've said is it's because the Earth rotates. There is so much more to it than that, Robert. Oh. Right. Uh, let me okay. let me ask you a, a more specific question. Okay, I am at the equator, and I have fired a bullet north. Why does the bullet on the heliocentric world um, drift ahead of the rotation of the Earth? No, always you, it doesn't drift ahead of the rotation. What it does, yes, it does. is it, it's going to curve because the Earth is moving underneath of it. That's what's happening. No, it's really not. Let's let's try again. A, a, a bullet fired from the equator north will drift ahead of the rotation. This is a fact. That's how the Coriolis force works. Can you explain well, why that happens in the heliocentric way, world? Whatever way you want to describe in your own words, that's fine. I'm going to use well, not in my words. This is how it works. Oh, I've asked on. why don't the bullet drifts. Me, ahead. Please don't try to you know intimidate me by saying I'm not I trying to intimidate you. I'm obviously educating you. Um, I well, know you know what it is. Please explain is. why it drifts ahead of the rotation. Because the Earth happen? is moving underneath it, just like the Foucault. Pendulum. Incorrect. The Earth is not moving. The Earth is not moving underneath it. It is moving independently of it. Now Whatever. there is one very there is well, one very simple thing. That's exactly what independence is, Robert. There is. One very simple thing you need to say to demonstrate your knowledge of the Coriolis force, and you're not saying it. Why is that bullet drifting ahead of the Earth's rotation? The bullet has a force, and the Earth is rotating underneath what of force? it, and they're going to go in different directions. Yeah, that's that really happens. makes no sense at all. So oh. I'm obviously going to have to educate you on what the Coriolis force is. If no, you're, you're not. Equator, no, you're not. I, re I really, really I'm am. Not no, I'm, we're, not, we're not moving on. I'm going to explain to you what it is. Okay, you, you talk all by idea. yourself. Then I'll go on to another topic. Well, if you don't want to listen and learn that, that's your issue. But I'm going to explain your ignorance to the you're rest the of the You're the one who doesn't know what Coriolis force is because you Clearly, can't. that's why I'm about to explain it. That's why I'm about to explain it, Robert. So if you're at the equator, right, you are... You have a tangential velocity to the east of a thousand miles an hour. Tangential velocity, right? So if you fire that bullet north, when it leaves the equator, it has a tangential velocity of a thousand miles an hour. And due to the, this is important, conservation of momentum, it maintains, it keeps 
that thousand miles an hour tangential speed to the east as it moves into an area of the earth with a lower tangential speed. It's gone north, so it's headed onto a latitude that has a smaller circumference, which means that it is now over a point in the earth that has a lower tangential speed than the bullet which maintained its uh, momentum. That makes it drift ahead of the Earth's rotation because the bullet conserves its momentum. That is what the Coriolis force is, not just saying the Earth rotates and goes a different direction. That's like you know, totally not it at all and almost what a toddler would describe it as. Really? So let's yeah. go to the Foucault pendulum. The, the pendulum goes back and forth. Okay. Uh -huh. Is there a force on it? There is a um, an acceleration, and F equals ma, so there's a force that you can measure. It's okay. a force that causes an acceleration in the drift. Now, with a Foucault pendulum, the explanation is slightly different because it's on a fixed pivot point, which is rotating to, uh, with the Earth. So in this case, the Earth rotates underneath the freely swinging bob of the pendulum, and that's what induces a drift at different latitudes, right? So the Foucault pendulum at the equator won't drift at all. Right. If you put a Foucault you know pendulum what? exactly at the equation, you're saying, it you're saying nothing. If you put it at, uh, if you put it at the poles, James, it will take 360 okay. degrees in 24 hours. Yeah. yeah. Let's just give him another 30 seconds to finish, and then I promise so, to come right back to you, Rob. There would need to be an explanation it, why it can induce a different drift based on your latitude. And there isn't one in the geocentric universe. There is one that we predict and expect in the heliocentric model. Yeah, that's because you don't know Einstein's general relativity, sir. Okay. Oh, I really okay. do. Very apparent. And don't interrupt me while I'm talking, okay? Let's give Robert about three minutes right. or so, so, two or three to respond. Said, the different latitudes that occur when you have, uh, you know, you're going to get the uh, a more acute um, rotation of the Foucault pendulum in the north than you are at the equator. Of course, it's not going to even move at the equator. And that's because the inertial forces of a rotating universe are equalized at the equator. So there is, there is a neutral uh, barrier between the northern hemisphere and the southern hemisphere because the Coriolis force in the northern hemisphere is going to go counterclockwise and the Coriolis force in the southern hemisphere is going to go clockwise. So at the equator, they're neutralized. And that's because of the Coriolis force gradations that occur in a rotating universe around a fixed Earth. Okay, You apparently don't know any of that. So I, it's useless to talk about it, okay? You're fixed on the idea that you have the only explanation to why these things occur. I'm telling you that the books already explained your side of the equation, and they also explain my side of the equation. I suggest you go read them, and I can give you a whole list of books, modern uh, physics books, that say it. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you this even is, This is what he's going to say in response. Considered a rational thought. This, this debate is over, yeah, James. I'm out of here. All right, let's respond, uh, Craig, directly. James, yeah. I'm out of uh, here. Okay, I told just him. telling me I don't understand the Coriolis force when I just explained it Hold to on, you. Hold on one sec. One sec. Robert, Robert is uh, wanting to say something. And, uh, I know he wants to run away because he doesn't like facts. Yeah, you're an idiot. Let's, oh, I'm all, let's, James, I want a chance clips. to speak here. I said, if this man pulls any funny business, I'm out of here. And he just did. 
This debate is over. No, no. I was told if I swear that you would go. I haven't sworn once. You're the no, one that's. No, I, I said it's particularly funny business. Like you, like not, what's not what I said in the email. What's on I your think YouTube videos? This might uh, be don't an opportunity the way just because to switch you don't to know a different how the topic was. with uh, without say, without any yeah. movie uh, scenes. So. With an opportunity to switch into a different topic before we yeah. go into Q&A, which actually wouldn't be that much longer, is there any final topic that you guys would like to explore without any movie clips? Yeah, I want to, you know, he's talked about such a great motion. He talked about the seasons. He talked about geostationary satellites and because, you know, God said so. So, you know, I'd, I'd like to briefly address each one of those in about 30 seconds. One at a time, do anything about? Are you going to interrupt me again? Are you going to let me? I'm just it? making sure it's one at a time, so it's it you know it's not yeah, too much. I to can do only do it one right. at a time. Yeah. So retrograde motion. All he'd have to do is go to the same place that he stole my Sanyak uh, animation, and he'll find <laughs> geocentric retrograde motion. We have a flash drive that has 60 animations in it. The retrograde motion is one of them, and one a child could see how uh, Mars's retrograde motion can occur in a geocentric system. All you do is switch the Earth and the Sun, and, and you draw the correct circles, and you have it. He doesn't know. He, he doesn't believe it because he's never seen it. He didn't even dare to investigate the other side of the story before he comes on here and starts ragging on, on geocentrism. My goodness. Uh, geostationary satellites again. Oh, wait, uh, one, one at a time. That's all right. I, uh, if I could respond to what you just said about the Go retrograde ahead. motion. Um, so why is there retrograde motion in, in, in the geocentric universe? You just said because you can draw the circles. Um, do you want to elaborate on that? Yeah. You're going to have to draw circles around the orbit of the sun around the Earth. And you're going to have to have the circle of Mars going around. And you're going to have to have the Earth fixed. If you, that's what I meant by drawing proper circles. Look, drawing, you've drawing never seen it. Explain so you why can't it happens. critique it. You've never seen it. Okay. I've Come literally on. been studying it for the past few days, and what you're saying doesn't make any sense. You're saying well, why didn't you, you give the geocentric version of it then? Uh, again, once again, the middle of my sentence got interrupted by the beginning of yours there, but never mind. So um, the geocentric universe doesn't make sense because there is no reason for the retrograde motion of the planets. Then None you at all. Studied it. I have. What is the reason? Why are the planets doing this random orbit? Why, why are they? You, if you've studied it, why didn't you bring the geocentric version up? Because that's that's clearly I am, out on the internet. I am asking you why it happens, not you know why, why I didn't. If, if, I, if I came on this program and I wasn't told it was about the cosmic radiation, I would have I would have given you the geocentric rhetoric. Right now, I can't bring it up because yeah, I don't yeah. have the animation in front of me. Okay, okay. having okay. the animation yeah. doesn't change the question, which you seem to be dodging again, which I'm is why do the planets have? Why does the planet have a retrograde motion? In the geocentric universe, with the circles going around, like on Ptolemy's um, 17 you know, volumes, uh, there has to be a reason for the planets to do that weird motion. You know and what? gravity and the way that gravity works means that everything that Ptolemy said was completely wrong. Yeah, I already said that. As a matter of fact, we don't use Ptolemy's model. Did you did you realize that? I know there's a few different geocentric models because oh, like a few different ones. On the yeah, but you have to pick it. the right one in order to get the geocentric retrograde motion, which you apparently so that's don't a, know about. true Scotsman fallacy. What? That's called a no true Scotsman fallacy. No, it's not. It's called we didn't. Yes, it is. Uh, we didn't like Ptolemy's view because he couldn't get the retrograde motion going right, or the phases and of what Venus. is causing so the we retrograde. We went to motion. the Tychonic model, which occurred in the 1500s. Didn't you know okay, about that? And 
again, what is causing the retrograde oh, motion? Geez. Why does it do that? Give me the animation. The 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 uh, no, I don't. I'm not. I'm not debating. I'm going to move on to the next topic. You. Um, well, so you so you're not going to answer a question and just move on. I just answered it for you. I said it's in the no, you did it. model. You said it, it's in a model. Now, please explain the mechanism behind the retrograde motion. I already did. And I'm no, you didn't. You said it. it's in a model and you can draw circles. Please yeah, explain the mechanism behind it. All right, trust me, there is an animation. I don't shoot. trust you, you're geocentrist. I would there like were you another, to explain it. There were some yeah. other uh, topics, I think, Robert, that you'd mentioned you wanted to bring up. I think this is oh, come on. He, get, he gets away with not answering the question. Come I on. just answered the question. Okay? No, I've asked you well, what the mechanism what the, uh, was. I told you what the mechanism had, is. It's the neotypeonic no, model. You said it's the model. Do you know and what mechanism does that model present? I hate to do this, but guys, I, I have to jump in just so it doesn't present? go too far off the, off the, off the uh, rails. Okay, here. James, so, can I please get an answer to this question, though? What mechanism asked, does the model he's, you, he's presenting? According to you, you've asked forward. several times. So we'll let the audience decide whether or not you're right that he gave a non-answer or if you're uh, if they disagree with you. So we do want to hear this new topic, though, and then shortly we'll go into Q&A. For those who are out in the audience, if you want to look up the neo-tychonic model of geocentrism, it will show you the retrograde motion of Mars. And that's all I'm going to say about it. Second thing- right, I so I don't get an answer. Up. Never mind. Yeah, right. Second thing is uh, geostationary satellites. Um, so his claim is that um, we have these satellites that are above one point of the, uh, over the equator of the Earth. Mm -hmm. And that can only be explained in the heliocentric system. Well, let's look at it. In the heliocentric system, the Earth is going 1,054 miles per hour west to east. Mm -hmm. So the geostationary satellite, let's say that's a weather satellite, it's up 22,424 miles. Mm -hmm. That's going to have to go about 7,000 miles per hour west to east to keep up with the rotating Earth. 1.9 meters per second, yeah. Yeah, okay. So... What is that um, satellite moving against? What it's moving it, against anything. It's got conservation of momentum. Well, whatever. It, it's got conservation of momentum, but what is in space that it can uh, that it has to move against? It doesn't have to move against anything. Oh, okay. It, so it, when you when the, when the satellite fires a retro rocket to change position, what is it firing against? Oh wait, are you? Oh my goodness me. Do you not know how rockets work in space? Is that what we're going with here? I'm asking you a question. Don't tell me you think I'm ignorant. Just answer the question. No, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm trying to just understand where you're coming from. When uh, you, so, I just asked you a question, I'll ask you again. So the, the force comes from inside the combustion chamber of the rocket. That's where the oh, force yeah. comes from. Okay, so if Newton's third law is applicable and you have an equal and opposite force to a force coming, then what is causing the opposite force so the satellite can change position? I know there's a combustion the inside of the combustion chamber. Inside the, inside the combustion, combustion chamber? chamber. What yes, is the combustion chamber combusting against? You're asking me a question. You're asking me a question, but not letting me answer it. The inside of the combustion chamber has a force created on it due to the expanding gas. This is the equal and opposite force created. No, you, it's not going to work yes. in a vacuum. No, that's exactly how it works. You can't tell me that that's not how rocketry works when the rocket equation explains exactly that. No, it doesn't, because that's only... Yes, it does. No, it doesn't work here. That's exactly how it works. It's only in an inertial field. 
You have no, gravity from the Earth that creates an inertial field. That's what the rocket is pushing against. No, it's okay. not. That's not how physics works at all. Oh, really? The, the yeah. rocket pushes against itself. Pushes that, against that, itself, really? Yeah, it creates a pressure with inside the combustion chamber. Oh, which okay. So let's say we reaction. have a... Let's you, say we, the, 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 sorry, sorry, Robert, hold on. You not understanding how rockets work is relevant to a geocentric universe. Uh, you not understanding how inertial forces work is relevant to why you don't understand. I don't think you keep saying universe. inertial force, but I don't think you know what that means. Oh, I do know what it means, believe me. Well, uh, let's go back to a balloon on Earth. You, have, you fill a balloon with air and you let it go. What is that air uh, pushing against in order to let that balloon go forward? Which way is the balloon going? It doesn't make any difference. You let the you blow the balloon up. You let it go. Oh, and, and uh, without doing up, you mean? With what? You, you mean letting it go without doing up, so it just flies off? Yeah, yeah, it just flies off. What is that air coming from the balloon pushing against in order to allow it to go forward? Well, forward. again, it's the um, the shrinking of the balloon creates a pressure inside, which pushes the air out the back, creating an equal and opposite oh, force. And what is that air out the back pushing against? the pressure inside of the balloon that's being created no, when it's, it's pushing against the air outside of the balloon that's what makes the balloon i mean you're forward. making things up not making things that's up that's how a balloon works the air yeah, coming out of the balloon is a balloon hits, in space it hits the air outside the balloon and then there's a, a force created because of that and the balloon goes forward so is there is the balloon in space i'm not i'm, I'm just giving you an analogy Right. Okay. I, I can show you. Uh, I can show you many examples of something in a vacuum chamber moving forward under its own thrust. This is a fact of how rockets work. That's they create because a, the vacuum chamber they, they, is not empty. Okay. And neither is neither is space. That's right. That's exactly the point. That's what but the rocket isn't, is pushing uh, against. Uh, uh, yes. But no, uh, there isn't. There's like one atom per meter of like. I'm not talking meter. about atoms. That, that's not. That's not enough for anything to push off of. Yeah, I'm not that talking is, about yeah, atoms, Robert. Yeah. You're simply wrong about how. I honestly thought I would get better than you misunderstanding how rockets work and move in space. The no, fact rocket, is, rockets work in space because of the combustion chamber having a pressure created inside yeah, yeah. it, which is know, the force it pushes We all know on. about the combustion chamber. I'm not arguing about yeah. combustion chambers. I'm that's talking how it about, works, and that's the answer to your question. Yeah, well, you didn't even know how a balloon works. You're telling me the, the, the pressure in the balloon is what's causing yeah, that, the balloon to go equal forward. and opposite force within, I mean, within the atmosphere, there is going to be a little bit of force created by pushing off of the air and against it. But a lot of that force is coming from the fact the balloon is shrinking and creating a pressure inside, which is forcing the air out the other side. That pressure on the inside of the balloon is causing a motion. That's what equal and opposite force means. Yeah, and, and that's what inertial forces come from. That's exactly where the centrifugal force comes from and the Coriolis and, force. Yeah, but none of that explains how a geostationary satellite works on no, a No, it does, because if you have a rotating universe, you have inertial forces that are surrounding the Earth and the rocket. And so and the rocket- what mechanism is that keeping the uh, satellite directly above a position for 35 to 40 because years? Because the satellite is going 7,000 miles per hour west to east against the inertial forces that are going east to west. There is no inertial forces in space. Well, you keep telling me that, and you, but you have demonstrated you don't know Einstein's theory of, of general relativity. No, I, I've not demonstrated any of that. I understand Einstein's theory very well. No, what you you've don't. Demonstrated is no, you don't. Lack of understanding no, you of don't. Any kind of I suggest yes, I do. we come back. I, 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 no, 
what you what you suggest is going to try and be some kind of appeal to authority. I've read all the literature. I've studied everything. I've got a degree in physics. I understand how physics works. And a very no, no. basic part of physics no, no. is understanding how rockets work in space, which yeah, you yeah. clearly don't. Sure. If you go back and read Wheeler's book and all the other books, like Mach's book and all everybody that talks about this, the, the co-equivalence and covariance equations, yeah, they're all relevant. Please stop interrupting me. OK. I, I, I would suggest you go back and read the books. As a matter of fact, I'll send you the books in the papers. Written it's OK. By I've read plenty. Um, you I, can I, read I, it I and then we can come back and debate later. Well, I, I suggest you learn how rockets work. That would be interesting. <laughs> All right, we, we had already addressed this, but let me do it again because it's important. If you were in a system of just our solar system, as I said, the Earth would have to go around the, the more massive sun. That's Two seconds. So sorry, Robert. This is totally my fault. I was still muted on my end. So just oh, so okay. that the uh, audience can hear the, the actual question. Um, otherwise, they so to give it the context. Sorry, folks. That was my fault. Um, the question was from Chris Gammon. Thanks for your question. For Robert, do you agree the sun is hugely more massive than the Earth? Why doesn't its gravity pull the Earth around it? All right, so we addressed this before. Let me do it again. If you have a pure Newtonian system where the solar system is the only uh, system in view, then, of course, I would admit, be the first one to admit that the Earth would have to go around the more massive sun, okay? That's what F equals MA means. Now, as I said, if when 200 years later, Ernst Mach came along and said that Newton had a defect in a system, and that defect was that he was assuming the universe was absolute. And if you do, yeah, you're going to say the Earth goes around the sun. But if you say the universe is not absolute and can rotate, uh, then you have a whole different system that you have to take into account. A rotating universe will create inertial forces centrifugal and Coriolis. The centrifugal force is an outward force. Let's say it's 1x. The Coriolis force is an inward turning force and it's two times the centrifugal force, which makes a net centripetal force and it keeps the sun in a certain place rotating around a fixed earth. You can find this on Wikipedia. I'm not making this up. The Coriolis force is twice the magnitude of the centrifugal force Together, they make a centripetal force, which keeps the sun at its distance as it re as it revolves around the Earth. That's how the physics works. Gotcha. Thank you very much. And they also asked a question for Fight the Flat Earth. Chris Gammon also asked, is uh, Fight the Flat Earth, is what I just asked legitimate? I think they're just asking, was, was it a legitimate question? What, what was the question, sorry? When they had asked, do you agree the sun is hugely more massive than the Earth? Why doesn't its gravity pull the Earth around it? Does it does well, the question make sense? As in, why doesn't gravity pull the Earth towards the sun? I mean, the answer is the Earth's got a tangential velocity, which is, you know, the Earth is in free fall towards the Earth, but it's uh, towards the sun, but it's got a tangential velocity that means it goes fast enough it misses the sun. Um, just quickly, um, while the camera's on me, 
I want to read this from uh, nasa.gov. Um, a balloon provides a simple example of how a rocket engine works. The air trapped inside the balloon pushes out the open end, causing the balloon to move forward. The force of the air escaping is the action. The movement of the balloon forward is the reaction predicted by Newton's third law of motion. Got a nice diagram explaining exactly what I said to you. Please learn how balloons work. Next up, thanks for your question. Now, now that I don't have a chance to respond, that was cute. Real cute. You can if you'd like. Star. Yeah. We've got only so many questions, so if you want a rebuttal, we can give you one. Yeah. Uh, what NASA left out was the air behind the balloon, because that's what the air coming out of the balloon is pushing against in order to make that balloon go forward. That's the truth. Next I, up. The, the propulsion equation disagrees, but, you know. Thanks okay, for thank your you. question. This one coming in from Danish Debater. Says, Do Robert uh, does Robert believe we have left Earth's orbit, ever been to the moon, have robots on Mars send satellites outside the solar system? Do you believe that we have ever left Earth's orbit, orbit, Robert? Yes, I believe in satellites. I believe in, you know, the Mars rover and all that stuff. So he's just trying to pigeonhole me into being some kind of a quack. Next up, Jay Mixon, thanks for your question, said to each debater, what is the principal evidence that substantiates your claim slash counterclaim? So uh, we had Robert uh, as the affirmative, so we can give you a chance to state yours first and then the counterclaim following that from Fight the Flat Earth. So floor is all yours, Robert. Uh, what's the question? What is the principal evidence that substanti substantiates your claim and the counterclaim the principal evidence um well i named a few of them you had the michelson morley experiment in 19 or 1887 that showed the earth wasn't moving around the sun you had the michelson gale 1925 experiment that said there was a sidereal rotation a daily sidereal rotation but if the earth isn't revolving around the sun then the rotation has to come from space not the earth uh, that's the dilemma of the modern sciences, and that's why you won't hear them talk about the Michelson-Gale experiment too much. Um, the uh, other principal evidence is um, Aries' experiment, where he had two telescopes. He had a water telescope and an airfield telescope. And he said that if the Earth is rotating or revolving around the sun, then the light from one star that he picked out should travel more slowly in the water-filled telescope and the light beam would hit the wall of the telescope and not go to the eyepiece. What he found was that the light beam went straight through the water telescope and straight through the air telescope, which tells us what? That the Earth isn't re rotating or revolving. Because if it was, it would have moved and made that light beam hit the side of the telescope. So there's another instance. That's never been refuted. Um, we have uh, all the physical proofs that were used before stellar aberration stellar parallax all can be shown from a geocentric viewpoint and again like the animation you saw that was on the sandic effect we make animations of the stellar parallax stellar aberration we show you how they all work in a geocentric universe so uh, you have that you have another thing called the cosmic microwave radiation that i thought we were going to cover tonight but we didn't but that's very important because the cosmic radiation permeates the universe and what they have found is that there's a preferred direction in space. We can now say that there's an up and a down and a left and a right. Why? Because this preferred direction that's made by the anisotropies of the cosmic radiation 
go, they cross the ecliptic of the earth and go right up toward Virgo. Okay. So that means there's this line that goes from one side of the universe all the way through the earth's ecliptic to the other side of the universe, uh, going through Virgo. So that's, that's called the quadrupole. And that's very, very important for showing that the earth is in the center of the universe. So, uh, and we have, we even have scientists of the other side, all those scientists that are heliocentrist to their dying day that have said, yes, this cosmic radiation makes it look like the earth is in the center of the universe. Gotcha. Thank you very much. And then fight the flat earth. Well, um, I'm going to say Mix and Molly experiment showed exactly the opposite, um, simply that the earth was rotating around the sun and, and there was no aether. Um, and Mix and Gale experiment showed pretty much the same. However, uh, a lot of the interferometer um, experiments ha- had issues. If you look at an explanation of Data Miller's anonymous ether drift, um, he says the paper presents a complete explanation for the anomalous result by showing that its results are not statistically significant, describing in detail how flaws in his analysis procedure produced a false signal with precisely the properties he expected. So when um, anyone says about the, the Aether being confirmed by Merckx and Gale, it was actually just statistical anomalies due to what his um, equipment was doing. But much more recent interferometers show that the Earth is indeed rotating. The Stagnac effect 100% shows that. There is no other explanation for what a ring laser gyroscope shows, as I showed with the video from Wolfie moving the gyroscope on the globe corresponding to the movements on the screen. So the fact that we can measure the rotation of the Earth around its axis and we can measure the rotation of the Earth around the center of our star, the fact that Aries failure is explained completely by stellar aberration, which is an example of Earth rotating around the star and was first... um, I think first observed in 1727 uh, by James Bradley, completely explained what James Airy thought was um, Aether, completely not. So all the things that he brought up are actually evidence for the Earth rotating. And the fact that we have a Coriolis force, which is a prediction expected from a rotating Earth and not created by some magical uh, inertial forces that can't be explained. Next up, want to let you know, folks, we were not going to read super chats that insult the guests just because we do appreciate the I guests. I don't mind if they, if they insult me. Go ahead. Um, I'm, you know, any idea how many flat earthers make videos about me? I'll count out a thousand. Go ahead. So we uh, want to let you know we're, we're also only taking serious questions. If you if you do like a silly, happy super chat, happy to read it in the post credits because we'll be back for that. But in the meantime, only reading the serious questions. This next one comes from Esteban. Ilabaka, thank you for your question, said, Hi, Robert, can't you use Einstein's equations and show the universe can be rotating around the moon, Mars, and even myself? Any evidence it's just Earth? Well, that's the problem with uh, relativity, is Einstein can give us the possibilities. He just can't tell us which one is correct. So, yeah, we could we could um, design a universe to go around Jupiter if we wanted to using the math of um, Einstein's field equations. The point is that we do see the stars revolving around us every day, and we can explain that in one of two ways. Either the Earth is rotating or the universe is rotating. Okay, so we are at that point where science has given us two possibilities. How do we determine which one of those is correct? That's the next question. And then you come into things like stellar parallax, aberration, 
Aries failure in 1871, Michael Morley, all that. But see, it all depends on the interpretation you put it. This is what I said at the beginning of the program. You have uh, Craig's got one interpretation of the Michael Morley experiment. I've got another. We have two divergent interpretations. Both are viable. Both answer all the particulars about the experiment, but they're totally opposite. And this is the, this is the extent that science can give us. To say that only one interpretation is correct and, you know, you're totally ignorant if you don't believe my interpretation, that's immature. That's not what science gives us. Science gives us data. Data has to be interpreted by a sometimes faulty mind or a biased <clears throat> mind or a mind that doesn't know all the answers before it gives the interpretation. That's the problem we're at. Gotcha. And next one comes uh, I, I agree that science is oh, Zirafa, appreciate it, says... Hey, James, and for Robert, isn't the Mox principle effective for any observer on any planet? Do you have a justification for the Earth's special, truly stationary position outside your particular theology? I just answered that question. Gotcha. That's, that's just another way of saying it. I had a feeling. And Astro Hutchins, thanks for your kind words. Said, good show, and no questions here. You guys have applause. Thanks, Astro. And DC Blunt said, last night I dreamed. Let's see. I have no idea what that means. But LV23, let's see. Thanks for your super chat. Uh, you got a fan out there. Fight the Flat Earth. And Fred, just uh, more uh, more of the, uh, yes. Uh, Flash Gordon, thanks for your question. Said, fight the Flat Earth if... The government wants us to believe Earth is a globe so much. Why are all the maps and pictures of Earth all flat in all the books? Gotcha. Okay. Tokyo because Lloyd. <laughs> is the Tokyo, answer. They're just being so. Every single map that, that you find that's flat is a projection of a globe. And the only way that you can navigate is by using the Haberstein formula, which only works on a globe. Robert is right 100% when he says that the Earth is not flat and the Earth is a globe. Let's see this next question coming in from Holy Smalls uh, fan says, I got to show some love since fight the flat earth is on. And then next area 85 restorations. Appreciate your question said, let's see, uh, Robert, I disagree with everything you're saying. If you claim it isn't, let's see your math. Assuming you have uh, those arguments mathematically post it somewhere we can access it. So, that uh robert will give you a chance to respond if that's yeah you know i'm sorry i've done this for 17 you're going on 18 years now and i i'm sorry i don't have a math equation for you i just i just you know totally oblivious to math i don't like math i never was good at it so i don't have any equations yeah right <laughs> so all you got to do is go read the books that i've written go read go look at the movies that i've made you'll see equations all over like, the place as a matter of fact some of the same equations that uh craig has used I just interpret them differently, okay? Uh, F equals MA, the basic Newtonian equation, okay? I interpret that uh, as being F, F equals MA plus centri centrifugal plus Coriolis plus Euler forces. That's how I interpret it because that's the only one that really works. So in other words, uh, F equals MA is defective because whenever they send up a satellite, they have to add in the inertial forces. So I add in the inertial forces to F equals MA. Okay, and see that's part of the defect that we had. 
Mm -hmm. sec. Let's give him a chance to respond. Fight the flat earth. Yeah, he keeps saying inertial forces. No, no, no. I'm, I'm saying let's know. give Robert a chance to respond. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh my god, I'm I'm gonna mute myself. It's hard. I'm done. Go ahead. Next question. Next up, Jamie Russell says, "It seems to me if they are equivalent, you could never tell either way. Why or why not? Why not for both?" So, Craig, uh, sounded like you want to talk, so we'll give you a chance to answer first, and then we'll give Robert the chance to answer before we go to the next Sorry, question. I, I think that was directed towards Robert anyway, so that, that's fine. Robert can go. Uh, let's All right, see. So just repeat the question again, James. They had said, it seems to me if they are equivalent, you could never tell either way why or why not for both. Namely, why is it that you could <coughs> never tell either way? Yeah. And, and she's right. You really can't tell. Okay. Uh, the earth could be rotating and revolving around the sun or the universe could be revolving uh, around a fixed earth. Both work mathematically, geometrically, they both work. And this has been proven by the very scientists who are heliocentrists. Um, they will show you the relativity says the other side, the geocentric side is completely viable. And all the mudslinging that's been added, uh, been thrown at it for the last 500 years is totally unjustified, okay? But they will also tell you that of the two, they prefer, philosophically speaking, they prefer the heliocentric model. Why? Well, gives them a lot of freedom. You see, because if you have the Earth in the center of the universe, what does that imply? Well, it implies that there's a designer behind it. Because the Earth in the center of the universe, that ain't going to happen by chance, okay? So it, it, it implies a designer, and that means there's a God, and that means he's going to judge you for your sins. And none of those guys like that because they're all atheists. So naturally, they're going to pick the system that's more comfortable for them, where the Earth is out in the remote recesses of space with no signposts saying, here we are. Uh, it's just going to be out there all by time and chance. That's the kind of universe they like. So that's the one they pick. I'm here to tell you there's another side to the story. Gotcha. And then Craig will give you a quick chance to respond as well. And then we'll go yeah. to the next one. It's, it's nothing to do with what I like or don't like. It's what observable facts present. Um, whether or not there is a God is completely irrelevant. Whether or not there is a creator for the universe is completely irrelevant because everything that happens in the universe can be explained by natural means. In a heliocentric model in a geocentric model you have to go but god did it next harold thank you for your question said let's see i see they are a fan of you fight the flat earth and they wanted you to know that and oflamio says very much is an interpretation of data a scientific question or a religious question who's going on that one um interpretation that uh, is nothing to do with religion facts are facts regardless of what a magic book says all right i would say this um you know craig is just proving my point because he comes in with a view that he thinks he knows what the facts are and that's because he sees the data he wants to interpret it one way and this is the only way that it can please don't put words in my mouth so his con don't interrupt me, Craig, okay? Please don't put words in my mouth then. You're, I'm you're just saying describing things about me that I true. think you said, okay? That I, I can no, have no, an no, opinion. You are, you are putting words in my mouth. James, I'm lying you either about shut him up when I'm talking or this debate is over, okay? I'm going to tell how you. About, how about 
We'll give uh, Robert a chance to finish his sentence and then fight the flat earth. If you afterward want to let him know what you didn't actually say, you can. All right, I'm going to try to get back on track here. Uh, someone will come to the data and he thinks he knows what the data says and then he will call it a fact. They do the same thing with the theory of evolution. You know, Stephen Gould came out years ago before he died. He goes, well, it's not a theory anymore. It's a fact. Evolution is a fact, you see, but it's not a fact. It's still a theory. It still has missing links all over the place. Okay, so it's not a fact. And, but this is the way that Craig is approaching this subject. He interprets the data and he thinks he has the facts. And anybody that disagrees with him either doesn't know the facts or misconstrues the facts or this or that. And so he can just put them in a category of ignorance. That's the gameplay here. Okay. I'm here to tell you, he doesn't even know the other side of the story. And, and it looks like he hasn't even studied the other side of the story in order to react against it the way he's doing. Gotcha. Next. Uh, let's see. I think that we had heard from Craig on, on that already. Remnant art. Thanks yeah, for your yeah, question. Yeah. I, I just say it's not it's not nice to put words in other people's mouths and lie about them. Yeah, oh, I agree. what what was it? We'll give you a chance, Craig. If, if there's exactly something specific you were saying, all, all, all you the didn't things say. that he's saying that, that I say this and I say that and I interpret it in one specific way. No, data gives you an answer. Data leads to a conclusion. Uh, biases are irrelevant. I look at the data and I say, what does this data lead me to? This is the conclusion the data shows. There's nothing about interpretation. It's oh, just going with what the data shows. Beliefs are irrelevant. I don't have beliefs. I base my position on evidence, empirical evidence of that. Yeah, right. right. Next, thank you for right. your question from Remnant Art. Said, hello from Singapore. Hey, friend. Glad you were here. And they said, hope you are all well. James, fight the flat earth and Robert. And then they said, Robert and fight the flat earth. You, uh, or I'm sorry. They said, Craig, you're not fat. Um, thank you. Then I've lost said, every third of my body weight. <laughs> uh, then they uh, said, I first called me fight the tight shirt for a long time. And, uh, I totally did that. Next. They said, what the heck? A new force equals M a formula. I know that blew my mind. <laughs> yeah, it should. <laughs> Next up. Thanks for your question. This you one coming to, James, in from... James, you want me to answer that? James, you want me to answer that? Oh, feel free. Yeah, okay. So um, scientists all know that F equals MA is just an approximation. Uh, when they send up a satellite to either go around the Earth or to go to Mars, if they just use F equals MA, the satellite would never get there. They have to add in centrifugal, Coriolis, and Euler forces in order for that satellite to get where they want it to go. Now, they don't tell you that. That's because Newton's formula F equals MA doesn't include the inertial forces. You have to add them in there by hand. Okay, so we, we've had a defect in Newton's mechanics for many, many years. When Mach came along and he said, here's the reason why you have the defect, because you haven't included the rest of the universe. That's why you've enclosed the system into the solar system, and then you made your conclusions. And in that system, yeah, you'll have a F equals MA, but even then it's going to be an approximation. Okay, that's what it's all about. Gotcha. Um, this, this if I could briefly respond from, to that, James, uh, we, uh, we do have a lot of questions. So I'll, I'll, I'll be I'll be quick. I promise. 
Um, just what, what you said about adding in centrifugal force and that is completely wrong. There's two equations that they use to put things in space. F, F equals MA and FG equals GM1, M2 over R squared. Um, and that works fine. No problems at all. What I can do is since the uh, super chat was originally kind of aimed at you, Robert, I can give you the last response before we go to the next question. Yeah, okay. So I would say this is another indication that Craig's view of physics is limited. Yeah, I know they write in the books F equals MA. They just don't tell you what the whole story is, especially if you get into the calculus of F equals MA. Then you see where all the defects are, okay? So, I mean, that's why Einstein came up with a new view of the perihelion or the um, precession of Mercury, because Einstein, uh, because Newton's uh, formula, F equals MA, had a defect. It couldn't account for the precession. So Newton or uh, Einstein put it into his tensor equation and came up with a more accurate solution. That just shows you the difference between the two. Gotcha. Next up, this one coming in from Tim Pryor. Oh, I think they, they took your comment about being bad at math literally. The way I interpreted it was that you were being facetious, Robert. Yeah, that's correct. Oh, okay. And never mind that one. Sorry, Tim Pryor. Uh, Batman, who uh, Batman says, I've not seen, let's see, he said, good job, Craig. Um, you have a fan out there, Craig. And Mark Reed, sorry, guys, I'm like, it's like the caffeine is worn off. And so I'm a little bit like <laughs> fuzzy. Mark Reed, thank you for your question, answer, comment. Said, thanks for the debate. It was, let's see, uh, they said, good job, Craig. You have another fan as well in Mark Reed. Castiel said, thank you. Missed beginning. Sorry if this has already been said, but Robert, what do the scientists gain by claiming a heliocentric model is right if it isn't? I think this is fair to say that you answered this just a, a few minutes ago, but if you want to expand, you can. Yeah, I, I didn't say it isn't. It's a viable explanation of the data. We went through this whole thing about Coriolis force. Is it an, ar is it an artifact of rotation or is it actually a, a real force, not, just, not a pseudo force? Well, it's all a matter of interpretation, how you look at that. So one interpretation can be quite viable. Another interpretation can be viable. The question is, which one is right? Uh, so far, science hasn't been able to get us to that point. And so that's why theology comes into play, because then people will resort to the Bible or to history. And they'll say, well, the Bible, God's word, says that the earth doesn't move. And we take that as a fact. So you might have some ambiguity in your scientific fields about what goes around what. But the Bible says that of the two, the stationary earth is the correct one. So that's how theology will get into the picture. And then it becomes a debate about how you interpret the Bible. Gotcha. And this next one coming in from two moments while it loads. Area 85 Restoration said... Robert, sorry, but where specifically can I access your math? Uh, I think they're asking for a book or uh, maybe a paper title or whatever you have uh, in your web page. Yeah, so go to robertsongenis.org, go to books, and go to Galileo was wrong, the church was right. And in there, in volume one and two, you'll find all the math you want, probably more than you want. Gosh, huh? This next question coming in from... Tokyo Lloyd said, question for Robert, if the Earth is the center of the universe, then why isn't the sun drifting away from the Earth? That one sounds familiar. The universe is expanding, right? No. 
That's a, that's a fallacy. See, as a matter of fact, that whole expansion of the universe idea came from Edwin Hubble in 1929, where he saw redshift of all the galaxies outside of our local frame. And he said, okay, that puts the Earth in the center of the universe. That's what he concluded. Okay, but we don't like that. So how do we get out of that situation? Here's how we do it. We make the universe into a balloon. That way we take the center out and we, we just have a surface, which is a balloon. We put all the galaxies on the surface, then we blow up the balloon. All the galaxies separate from each other and they're going to see all redshift. Whatever galaxy is looked at from any other galaxy. That's how we got the Big Bang. That's how we got the expanding universe idea. It was because Edwin Hubble didn't like the geocentric universe that he looked at in 1929 through his telescope. Okay, so no, we don't have an expanding universe. And as far as the sun is concerned, the reason I said it's going to stay in its orbit is because of the centri centrifugal force that's matched with the Coriolis force, which is twice the magnitude, which makes a net centripetal force that keeps the sun in its orbit so it doesn't drift off. Gotcha. And the next one, Remnant Art, thanks for your question, said, for Robert, do you take the passage in Genesis of the snake talking to Eve literally? In other words, can snakes actually talk? Uh, yeah, donkeys talked in Numbers 22 with Balaam. Um, we have uh, angels that talk. Um, you know, God can make anything talk if he wants to make it talk. Normally, they don't have speaking abilities. Yes, I'll agree with that. But in a miraculous situation, anything can be made to talk. Gotcha. And Dave Langer says, uh, for Robert, do you think, do you also think the earth? Oh yeah, we already got that. Yes. Dave Langer. The answer to your question is earth is the center of the universe from Robert's perspective, Mr. X and Mr. Y last question of the night. Thank you said for Robert, how can the first, or no, they said, how can the RST of the universe influence the solar system in such a way that everything rotates around earth? RST? I'm not what sure what that means. Well, we try. Um, I, um, I, yeah, I, I don't, didn't get it either. But want to say our guests are linked in the description. Want to say thanks, everybody, for hanging out with us. We appreciate you, and we appreciate our guests. We want to remind you all, folks, we know it's a debate channel, so sometimes it gets rowdy. We want to remind you to attack the arguments rather than the people. Remnant Art has a last-minute Super chat came in and said, Robert, how large is the sun and how far is it from Earth? 93 million miles, 864 miles in diameter. Thank you very much. 864,000 miles in diameter. So I believe the sun is as big as it is in the heliocentric system and is far away. That's, that's really not the issue. The issue is the forces. What causes what to go around what? That's what we have to answer, the dynamic forces. And I've already done that in this debate. You got it. And so thank you all for hanging out with us. We really do appreciate it and want to remind you, as mentioned, we are on podcasts. So if you enjoy podcasts, hey, rate us as well. That helps us. And so thanks. And our guests are linked in the description. One final time. Thank you so much, Robert and Fight the Flat Earth for being with us. My pleasure. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, if anyone wants to come and uh, hang in an after show, I'll be doing a quick one on my channel. Thank you, James, for having me on. You got it. Thank you, guys. And with that, I'll be back with a post-credit scene just to talk in a moment about upcoming debates, folks, as we have a lot of juicy ones we're excited about. So I'll be back in just a moment. Hang tight. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.